Amari Purple Talk episode. I don't know what number we're on anymore. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many now. I'm gonna say episode 130. And wow. this is the, yep. <laughs> it's kind of like comic books, you know, it's issue 130. <laughs> Trying to get to the big 200th double pay, uh double oh, yeah, that's issue. Yeah. <laughs> big one with the the ad for flower seeds on the back. There you go. <laughs> And the hostess cupcake and twenty yeah, hostess cupcakes ads in the and, and grit magazine grit magazine and sea monkeys and <laughs> yeah yep. joining me today welcome back musician extraordinaire PC Munoz welcome yes thank you for having me yeah we had a good time the last your we last did. appearance we had to do it again. Yeah, and many more episodes to come. All right, so this week we are talking about da, 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 originals. Yes, originals. <laughs> Love and, that picture too. Hey, you know, they leaked the cover to this yeah. before they announced that they were uh, putting this out. And I thought, like, wow, they're coming out with some dirty mind outtakes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was hyped. And then when I found out what it really was, I was like, well, okay, but that's still cool, though. It's still cool. See the <laughs> it's picture. It's still cool. <laughs> is Alan Bouillou, is he alive? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you get his book? Mm-mm. Mm. Uh, we'll, I'll bring that out a little bit later in the show. But um, yeah, his uh, book of photographs covers a lot of this era, like, I guess, up to Purple Rain. Yeah. Um, yeah. He says, "What's his what's his last name?" Bolu. Bolu. Yeah. French, right? Okay. Um, and he has a book. I don't know. See, I'm just. Uh... Yeah. Let me see if I can see if I can reach it without tearing up the rest of the layer. Oh. All right. There it is. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Prince before the rain. Before the rain. All right. Yeah, That's oh, cool and... that these photographers. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he actually did the spray painting. I think, yeah, he did. Did he did? Yep. Let's see. Uh, there we go. <laughs> wow. There's the cover. <laughs> That's very cool. Oh yeah, but yeah, definitely lots of. Uh, there's the, the famous Rolling Stones. Concert right there. Yeah, yeah. That's his. I didn't realize that was a shot of his. Yeah. Okay, I've seen that photo, but I didn't know that was his too. I always think of him as covers and you know, <clears throat> and inside cover stuff, not live stuff. Yeah, I think he was like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so caption that picture. <laughs> so he was all, I didn't realize how that he was all over the place. I thought he was like a mostly uh, portrait guy. So I was totally wrong. 
He's always some. I've recognized some yeah. of those shots, and that's him too. That's very cool. Oh yeah, and that's from uh, it's nineteen ninety nine tour. Mm. There's a lot of good uh, photos in that series, and I like that oh, color yeah. of the trench coat too. <laughs> oh yeah, this was you know it's this was unfolding in real time. You know, you kind of forget the you know even just the power of the imagery. You know, just the fashion mm -hmm. statements and, you know, sure. going right along with the music. I mean, it was, man, that was uh, some very exciting times. Extremely. Yeah. Early 80s. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> get you, get like a tear it. in the eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, but we're I talking. remember. As <laughs> Fred Sanford says, a lot of years. A lot of years. <laughs> But yeah, but we're talking about originals this week. Yes. And this was originally released in 2019. Uh, to me, this was sort of the first step in the right direction for the Prince of State or what we thought was the Prince of State, you know, at that time. Uh, right. There have been a few things, the Purple Rain Deluxe, which, yeah. you know, kind of didn't get quite the reception they wanted. Right. Uh, then there was piano and a microphone 83, which was cool for some people to have, but yeah, something like this set was kind of what a lot of Prince fans, yeah, you know, regardless of era, they were looking for this particular right project. That. Like, that's something I actually liked a piano and a microphone. Um, it's really short, but I mean, <clears throat> that's what they captured then. But this one, yeah, it was like. It was as if they went and listened to Prince fans mm -hmm. and heard, we want to hear like these songs that he wrote for other people. What did they sound like? It was just him. Because some things, and we can, I guess we can get into that as we discuss the record, but there are some things when I heard these, I was like, man, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been mad if he kept that for himself. Self, yes. You know, yeah. like um, specifically for me, and this is no diss on um, Martika, but the, uh, I thought, love that will be done. Um, I thought that when I heard that on originals, mm. especially the the you know the background vocal arrangements and everything with him singing lead, I was like, man, that's really cool. That's, yeah, I would have loved to have heard that as a Prince song. And again, not taking anything from Martika, it was a cool single, but um, that was one of the ones that really jumped out. Not all of them. I didn't feel that way about all of them. I loved hearing every single one of them. Mm -hmm. But that was one where I was like, oh man, that would have been a very cool Prince song. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, was it if was a contender for, you know, I, I forget when this was written, but, you know, say, I don't know, Graffiti Bridge era. And say Graffiti Diamonds Bridge Diamonds and Pearls or something. Or something. Yeah. 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 I could but, see it on Graffiti Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have, yeah, it would have worked well in one of the, one of the scenes in the movie, I think. But um, yeah, I, you know, listening to this, you know, like you said, there are some tracks that it's like, yeah, wouldn't have been bad if he kept it to himself. And then you can kind of see where there's still work tapes, you know, even though his kind of demos and work tapes are better than a lot of people's finished product, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, but at the end of the day, it's still where you could see, okay, if he had spent more time doing some overdubs, maybe adding some background vocals here and there, 
maybe adding or subtracting instruments on other things that, yeah, you're right. There could have been strong contenders for, you know, any album of his. Right. Yeah. As, as a Prince song, as a Prince release, even though some are clearly written for somebody else's voice. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, maybe that's how he was imagining them. We can only guess like, but one of the other ones that, or did you want to go song by song or did you want to um, go free reeling? Oh, let's see. We can do song by song. Okay, I'll yeah, follow so we'll you. Start, yeah, we'll start with uh, the lead-off track, which is Sex Shooter, which was mm-hmm. uh, the finished version is on Apollonia 6's album, and it's also heard in the movie Purple Rain. Um, now, I didn't know that there was, like, his guide vocals or scratch vocals that existed. Uh, maybe the, the earliest version I heard was uh, Vanity 6 version. Mm, I don't even uh, think I I don't think I've ever heard that the Vanity Six version. Ah, uh, let's see. I don't know if I still do. I don't know if I still have it or not. But yeah, that's the earliest. Okay. One that I heard, and you know, it's you know, it's still a great song, regardless whether it's Prince's vocal, whether it's Vanity's vocal. Of course, obviously, the finished product again, you know, it benefits from the finished production aspect. Yeah, and it also benefits from. Uh, well, for those who, for those who have the experience, it benefits from having that image of Apollonia in the video and in, in, in the, the movie, the rest, and the rest of you know, and Brenda and Susan for to have that to think about the movie and how and that that how it is in the movie, and then the there's a classic Morris lines in that rehearsal space, and there's oh yeah, um, <laughs> and you know, and Apollonia was so gorgeous, you know, I mean, not that Vanity wasn't, but. Um, she was so striking. There was a, yeah, there was a, I don't know, it's kind of like apples and oranges. <laughs> apples, see what I did there, folks? But, <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, compared with the, the image of vanity, which is more like, you know, kind of like the vixen, you know, maybe yeah. the, the cat woman to Princess Batman, you mm-hmm. know, then you have, you know, Apollonia that was kind of more of a, I don't know, maybe not innocence, but like a more naive, you know. As you yeah, there's something the else film. there, like a little more innocence, I think. Right. And um, then for her, you know, because she wanted to be a star, wanted to be famous, then for her to go out and perform that song in the film, you know, right, like yeah, you said, yeah. yeah, you get that extra, you get that extra impact with it. But I like, yeah, you know, I like <clears> this version. I do too. You know, again, it's it's interesting. I remember reading in some of the reviews where they said one of the fascinating things about the record is to hear Prince um, approximating or just straight out singing like parts made for a woman, like <clears throat> just going there, you know, like just embodying it in the mm-hmm. way like he knows this is how this should sound, um, you know, and he's and he's talking about, you know, in the song and in others where he's embodying you know, like in that, uh, there's other there's other pieces where he's clearly writing a piece for a woman. It's, it is interesting to hear him mm-hmm. sing it. Um, and this one, I have to say, I loved turning it, like popping that in, and hearing Sex Shooter. And also, it was uh, like the instrumentation is really clear and real nice. And I heard stuff yeah. in there I don't think I've heard before. In the, um, I don't have that album on CD. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. I have a vinyl transfer, like a. 
uh, that I, I have it digitally from my vinyl, but I've, I never had a CD mm. of it. <clears throat> is yeah. it out on CD? No, or if it is, definitely out of print. So okay, yeah, I've never. I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah. Um, and I like quite a bit of the songs in there. Like I like "Happy Birthday, Mr. Christian." And I like uh, "Limousine." And... Yeah, there's some cool stuff on there, and um, and I've always liked "Sex You." I thought it was real funky and very kind of. It was a to me a really cool example of Minneapolis stuff. Like yeah, a simple <laughs> hook and, and just. <laughs> the, the clap. Yeah, this is. I always funny. think of Jerome. I always think of Jerome doing doing that. Yeah. <laughs> In the film, he, uh, you know, it's very yes. cool visual. Very, very time. I invented a word last episode. I call it time esque. So yes, it's a very, very time esque move. <laughs> yeah, very time esque. Okay. Yeah. In that rehearsal space and. Yeah, so that to me brought out a lot of nostalgia and a lot of um, uh, good feelings to hear him singing it and to hear the song again and also just to hear the different parts. I don't think I, you know, just having a clean digital version um, to hear the, the different parts of the song musically mm-hmm. was really fun for me. Yeah, like I say, and too, you know, with everything we've said about the song and, you know, the performance in the film and, the Apollonia Six record, you know, with his vocals, you know, you could imagine this on, say, like if it was a, if he decided to do, say, like 1999 Part Two, mm. or you know, in some alternate reality where Purple Rain wasn't a film, you know, but this was a track on the album, you know, it has a different, you know, it has a different vibe to it, it has a different feel. It does, yeah. With, um, it- he was creating an aesthetic for them, mm. but but was you know, um, within their within their universe. Yeah, <clears throat> but yeah, it definitely funky funky track. I like that one a lot. But coming up is track two, which is Jungle Love. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I've I've read about you know Jesse recording the tracks on Prince's former deck i read a little bit about that um back then you know i think we've we've talked about this before and like in our last conversation and probably in some private conversations that it's it wasn't clear to us always what was happening because we, we were just kids <laughs> right. like buying the records like, we don't know how it's done or or whatever we're right. just marveling at the credits and trying to figure it out um so i don't think i knew that jesse had you know been involved in that track and um, but it's, it's, again, it's very cool. It's cool to hear him sing that song. Yeah. And it just reminds you how intermeshed, not that, you know, you get confused about their thing. We knew there was a very close relationship, but it's like, oh yes, that's Prince singing Jungle Love mm-hmm. as a, as a guide vocal for, for Morris. And then also made you think about the personnel changes that were happening at the time. Um, at the time, see, also, Oops, I got see. jokes too. <laughs> uh, the, uh, you know, because there were personnel things happening. And so it's like, oh, yeah, they, they're building this thing, about to do this big move. And then there's no Jam and Lewis, but they got, you know, they got new, they got new people and they're trying to figure that piece out. And they mm-hmm. give this song that's a hit. Um, 
yeah, it was to me another really cool one to hear um, hear the concept and hear Prince singing it. Yeah, um, and it's real again. It's funky. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah, they were. Um, I was gonna say about this song. Have you heard the? Have you heard Jesse's actual demo? Yes, he, when he posted it. Yeah, I heard it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I, I really liked hearing it. Yeah, it's like, oh, that is cool. Now I want to hear, you know, his, you know, deluxe editions and oh, his yeah, bonus, he would yeah, do. bonus demos now. But I guess the consensus is is that Jesse had the initial idea, and Prince just really just finished everything off as far as like, okay, well, this is the groove. Now let's flesh yeah. this out into a song now. You I know. think that that's definitely how what I got from his post is like, hey, I had this groove. Prince is like, I'll I'll finish it. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll make it into this this hit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So it's like, uh, it again, yeah. It's like thinking of, when I was listening to this record, to the version on this record, I was thinking about um, Jesse's because I, I he put it on on Facebook. Right. right. He put it up and I don't remember if it was before or after Prince passed, but he, he did it at one point and he just said, this is what it sounds like. And I remember really liking that, really yeah. liking hearing his <laughs> demo. And I was like, oh, cause I, again, I didn't know that. I didn't know that's how it started. Right. And uh, but like you said, I think to me, that it may, the, what makes the most sense is Jesse said, I got this groove. And Prince was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that and, and make it into a time song. And it's um, again, it's one of the reasons why I, I love the records. Like we all know the song, all of us who love this music, um, but we had not heard Prince sing it. You know? <laughs> we just we had heard that, and it's it's really cool to to hear that. It's you know it's like um, uh, it's like if there was this take of um, James Ingram doing PYT. Mm. You know, it's like <laughs> you know they're on the same universe. But, you know, is like that it would just to hear that and to know it was made at the same time, it would be trippy. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, there's this whole other thing that they considered, Um, you know, it's and those things are always fascinating to me, like because they're they're sort of sonic alternate universes. Yeah, because, you know, like you said, we were, you know, kids and, you know, at the beginning, you know, of our musical journey you know not just as listeners but you know even musicians as well yeah you know and trying to figure out well you know here's this record and it's like you know that piece of vinyl back then or that cassette or cd or whatever you know there's some magic to that and it's like we know it takes work you know we've seen (laughs) footage of people working in the studio but yeah we really forget about or take for granted how you know, where you have somebody doing a demo and it's like, it's not as fleshed out. Like, I mean, probably the best example is um, Get Back, you know, where you watch Paul McCartney just come up with Get Back out of just thin air like that. Yeah. And it's not all there yet. Yeah. And then you you, can see where it came from. Right. And then you have where, you know, they're really trying to get the lyrics down. And they're coming up with all types of things for like, okay, well, what do we, you know, is this such and such Arizona or this Arizona? <laughs> and Paul comes up with Tucson, Arizona, and John kind of gives them that look like, that's it. 
<laughs> That's it. And, you know, we we kind of take that for granted, whether it's mm -hmm. musicians or listeners, you know, that, wow, this is the magic that is born and it has a starting point and eventually gets to a to an end point. Mm -hmm. And, and the be that beauty of collaboration, too. Yeah. You know, where people are there's a free uh, interchange of ideas and sharing and and going hey we can develop this thing together and see what comes up and yeah there's there's it's definitely magical yeah and it's um like a, again one of the things i really love about the album is just you hear these songs in sometimes startling new contexts you know yeah again like now this one obviously it's obviously a time song i mean yeah you could see prince doing it but it's but it's a time song it's a sure. time song yeah. definitely yeah. definitely now the next one number three um does kind of have some debate surrounding it and that's track three manic monday ah manic uh, monday yes, yeah yes. which was a huge hit for the bangles huge yeah um I remember hearing it, maybe the radio. I think I heard it on the radio for the first time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it was announced right away. You know, this is the Bangles. Uh, this is a song written by Prince. And, you know, just that <laughs> announcement, you know, you kind of perk up a little bit like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. What's this? And it's like, a, you know, it's it's different than what you would typically hear from Prince. But at the same time, there's no doubt that this is a Prince song. There's no doubt that Prince wrote it. No doubt. Um, and I mean, some people have alluded to its uh, similarities to 1999. <clears throat> to me, it doesn't yeah. sound doesn't sound a lot like that. I mean, I guess the vocal melody has some similarities. The yeah. But, yeah, that's about it. But it feels different to me. And it's, I mean, other than it kind of conjures um, 60s uh, pop and R&B, um, 1999 specifically. I know. I also heard some people say 1999 sounds like um, Monday Monday, which I I never put together. Um, but well, okay, maybe that part, maybe the same. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's what they're talking about that part. So I mean, and then you see parents kind of more exploring that part because he could definitely. I mean, he was born in '58. He grew up on '60s pop. He right. heard it all the time in the Midwest, and I think it's. Um, but that was definitely part of who he was to be able to just turn around and write something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think uh, I, I already liked the Bengals. I thought Susanna mm -hmm. Hobbs was really cute. And I thought um, the hero takes a fall song was really great um, on that. And going down to Liverpool, I thought was a really cool song too. Okay. Um, so I was already into the Bengals. And so it was, I was excited when, um, I found out that he had written a song for them and I had never heard his version before. And it was nice. It was definitely cool to hear. And I, the thing that fascinated me was that um, kind of, kind of sort of bridge or pre-chorus section where in the Bengals version, they just make it acapella with heavily affected vocals. Mm -hmm. And in Prince's version, there's an odd kind of meter, and the drums continue through that section. And that to me was like interesting. Like, okay, mm -hmm. so the, I forget who produced the Bengals version, but. Um, yeah. 
somebody heard the demo was like, yeah, we won't be doing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to, and I actually like that choice um, yeah. that, that the Bengals producer took, which was um, uh, to just make that part is really effective because then, uh, you know, time goes so fast when you're having fun and then it kind of drops and then it lifts off again with the chorus. Um, yeah. And Prince's one is weird. It's really weird, yeah. um, but it works too. It's like, it's, it reminds you the importance of arrangement, you know, like that that's cool. And then this is also cool too. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what's great about music and different perspectives and different people's skills and stuff. But um, that for me was really cool to hear yeah. Prince singing it. And then cool to hear um, what his, his kind of demo sounded like and what the producers, can... um, the artist and producer ultimately decided to do. Yeah. Which, you know, fast forward uh, about a year later in the recording of Kiss. Oh, right. Yeah. Another and one of those. Uh... Where it started off in one form and, you know, other producers took it in another direction. And then he snatched it back. <laughs> I was the version in um, what's the book um, Possessed, <laughs> where they're telling the story about that. And I oh, think Brown listen. Mark. I forget who it is. He says that, yeah, Prince hears it and he goes, this is a hit. I'm taking it back. <laughs> <laughs> and he did have that right. <laughs> but yeah, it's like all that. That's one of the great things about this album is just um, hearing those uh, those hearing those songs in ways you just didn't, you thought you would never get to. And the, to me, that goes, there I am sucking it. Um, there you go. It, yeah, I'm back. Um, but it goes back to like what you said earlier about, um, like, gosh, I lost my train of thought when I, when I got fixated on me being stuck video wise. <laughs> um, but it was, you made a comment earlier about the collection. Um, and I'm, I was going to reference it again, but I've lost it. So uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Huh, now I'm trying to, I don't know, we've been, what are we we're being manipulated from another dimension? <laughs> <laughs> the prince is like, I don't want you talking about this album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why are you talking about the album? <laughs> I didn't want anything in the vault release. <laughs> yeah, and here you are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's what you said. You said that this was for you a, a step in the right direction in terms of what fans would want. Yes. And I think and I was just going to reference that i think you're entirely correct like this one is like prince fans love to hear stuff that nobody else has heard have, have right. you seen that meme <laughs> there's a funny meme i don't know if I, it was like it's a it, it was, it's a picture of prince and then it says prince coughs and that was the top of the meme and then at the bottom oh, of the meme, it says something like every prince fan i've already got that yeah. I, got the, yeah. I, got, I got the extended version. Yeah. <laughs> I've got the version with Sheila E. I got, you know. <laughs> and you know, it's like, that's, that's entirely accurate. That's, yes. <laughs> you know, and I always wonder, I guess, you know, are Bob Dylan fans the same way? You know, Frank Zappa fans the same way? There, oh, there's a bunch of fans who are like that. Yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> you know, completists and are just, you know, just really into it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's fun you know it's like it's it's a fun thing if you can get into it and really appreciate the music 
Um, and you have to be able to laugh at it. You know, like that yeah. to me, I definitely laughed out loud when I saw that. Yeah, because so, I mean, you know, that that could easily be us too. You know, we <laughs> <come> across. <laughs> I definitely know people like that, and it's um, it's like that's that's it's just a, I thought it was very very accurate. <laughs> yeah, and again, you know, with this this collection, like I said, for me, it was a, it was a step in the right direction, um, regardless of who was in charge of the estate. You know, right. and yeah. hopefully, you know, the ones that are in charge now going forward, you know, kind of maybe use this as a template, you know, to say, OK, well, this is what the fans want. You know, let's yeah. structure it to where, you know, we put the best quality into it and at the same time, you know, make people happy, you know, because, um, you know, I've, a lot of these I've never heard. I've never heard his version um manic monday yeah i've heard again um maybe the apollonia 6 version no i didn't even know that existed right yeah um yeah it started off i guess the follow-up to the vanity 6 album and then vanity leaves and then you go through the process of trying to replace her and then once apollonia comes in um i think manic monday was supposed to be on that Mm. record I've, um yeah Dwayne Tuhal's book on uh, the purple rain sessions um it does have a list of different configurations of what the Apollonia 6 album was to be originally mm. and there were songs like um Manic Monday and I forget what else I'm sure somebody will let us know in the comments at some point but uh, it was Manic Monday about two or three other songs I want to I want to say Glamorous Life but I don't think so but there were other songs that ended up elsewhere later, or they became legendary vault tracks. Wow. Later. I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. Manic was, was ever considered. So there is a version with Apollonia singing. Right. Mm. Wow. I had no idea. Yeah, and it's it's not a bad version, but it stays faithful, I think, to what we get on originals. Mm, okay, you similar know, to that. Maybe right. even the same track, right? Right, probably, yeah, where yeah. he just faded his vocal out and, you know, once she sang, you know, to what he was singing to. Yeah. Wow. And let's see, on this, yeah, on this track, I'm just looking at the liner notes. So you got um, Jill Jones and Brenda Bennett mm. on the backing vocals. Okay. Still. That's interesting. I'm, I didn't yeah. know that either. Okay. I got to yeah, look at it again. I think this version now, I don't know if they if Prince did like a remake of it or an alternate version or an alternate mix, but I thought Lisa and Wendy were on background vocals on the finish. Oh, on the version that the Bengals did? Yeah. Yeah, I don't there's know. A, yeah, there's a few there's a few songs again, you know that that whole mystique, you know, you've probably done it. I know I've done it where you come up with a song and it's that one version. And then you might come back to it, uh, you know, later. And then you do it a different version of it. Same song, maybe same arrangement, but it's different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it might've been that version where this might be the original version. Uh, it says it was recorded in February of 84. 84. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wow. 
Yeah, so that sounds like maybe made for that Polonia album, like you were saying, mm. and then sat for a bit, but not too long. No. And then um, went right over to the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah, which, uh, see, according to liner notes, wasn't released until December of 85. Okay. Yeah, just, oh, yeah, yeah. just, just, just under... Uh, just under two about, years. Yeah. So they probably went, yeah, through a couple of changes. All right. So we'll move on from that one to track number four, which is Noon Rendezvous, uh, which ah, was, yeah. which I think it closed outside one of Sheila E's uh, debut album, yeah. Glamorous Life. There's a bunch of Sheila E songs on this, uh, mm. on this album. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this was actually, again, this was one of those ones for me that was really interesting to hear Prince sing. Yeah. You know, just as, you know, in the voice of what's going to be a woman ultimately singing it. Mm. And sort of, you know, it's hard to say. We don't know what conversations they've had about the persona they wanted to develop for Sheila E. You know, um, she, um, it's funny. I had a friend who was playing in her band at the time mm. here in the Bay Area. And it was, it was called the Sheila Escovita Band. And it was, or also they had another name called Prophecy. And I still have the demo. It was really cool. Really cool. Nothing did not sound like Minneapolis stuff at all. It was very like um, kind of sophisticated R&B, like kind of jazz elements mm. and stuff mm. like that. Not, not super heavy on... Um, on percussion or anything, but it was really strong rhythmically. A lot of cool, cool songs. And so when I saw that she was coming out or she was gonna, she was in his universe, mm. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Like a barrier person, definitely, you know, someone who's known around here um, because of her, her family was so such a big part of a lot of different things here. Um, super exciting to at the and I also you know as a drummer I loved the cover where her sticks are you know she's wearing they're in her shoe or they're in her stocking or something um, I always thought that was really cool yeah <laughs> um, but yeah, to hear uh, Prince sing that song to me was it's marvelous it's like it's really cool to hear him going okay this is how this song ought to be done and and you could again you can hear like because that album has, that first Sheila E album, has its own kind of Minneapolis aesthetic, right? It's, right. It sounds like that stuff, but it's built for her. And so he he, he was thinking along those lines of what what does a Sheila E song sound like? And it's and to me, again, it's one of the reasons why I really like this album is mm -hmm. to hear these, to hear like the, what the, uh, you know, what the kind of thinking that, or, and I mean, I'm guessing at the thinking, but you can hear when you hear him singing the kind of thought that's going into crafting these pieces. Yeah. I, and I've never heard this version before. I've heard him do it live on the, um, was it the June 7th, 1984, First uh, Avenue? Okay. Yeah, because you're like, yeah, this one's dedicated to that girl over there, Shalee, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
And uh, and I like, okay, well, that's, you know, cool hearing his vocal take mm -hmm. on it on the live version. Uh, but the version on this, to me, is the, the better version. Mm. Yeah, and I want to say period. I mean, as much as I enjoyed the first Shali record, um, this track, uh, and it just kind of the stripped down nature of it. Yeah, know, really stripped down. Piano. Yeah, mm -hmm. that you know the the vocal performance, everything. It again, it kind of puts it in a different place than the actual finished version. Totally different. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah, the stripped down nature of it is really striking mm. and you go it just kind of puts the the um approach right straight in front of you mm. and you kind of hear everything and also just to and again i was i think i said this at the beginning to hear his vocals so like so loose like it, not loose in a bad way like loose and he's just doing this thing he's he sounds really good and so sometimes extraordinarily so, you know, and it, it reminded me of something um, that Susan Rogers said when somebody asked him if he, somebody asked her if he was a perfectionist and he said, and she said, no, he wasn't a perfectionist. He was extremely competent, mm -hmm. which is a, to me a great answer. Like if for someone who worked with them for so long, not perfectionist, like he wasn't uh, chasing down this, it's gotta be like this. He was just very, very good. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and that, and that's um, it makes a lot of sense when you hear, you know, the performances, mm -hmm. um, and that, that that quote from Susan Rogers um, has been uh, was on my mind a lot when I was listening to originals. Yeah, and a lot of times, just that you know, that first take, second take, whatever. Usually, it is the better, better take Very in often. a lot of cases. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you know, the more takes you do, it does kind of lessen the emotion or the emotional impact of a song. Um, but like I said, this one, you know, if this was, a, again, like an alternate reality, you know, I could have seen this go go like on a, around the world in a day, you know, or, mm -hmm. or like I said, yeah. a world where Purple Rain didn't quite exist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it could be a very nice one on Around the Room Day or some other album between, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Purple Rain doesn't exist and there's some other Prince album in there. Um, yeah, very Where, cool. Yeah, this, this would be the one folks would be talking about. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely a, a highlight. Yeah, so let's see. We got track five, which is Makeup. Which ah, was originally yeah. on Vanity Six, and you know yeah. this one—it's an interesting thing. And I've always had this, you know, even kind of like you know, knowing how songwriters work. And if you're writing, you know, if you're a guy and you're writing for female artists, it's like when you write the song, do you keep it in the first person? <laughs> with mm -hmm. that gender or do you you know like okay this is a song for so-and-so and so-and-so is going to sing it so you're writing from that person's perspective so you write it in that gender mm -hmm. yeah and it's, then it's so interesting right to hear him do this yeah particular it, piece especially yeah and this and you know it's 
it's weird because we're like in you know we're in the 21st century now you know it wouldn't be unusual to even see this song pop up somewhere like in a film or a tv show you know kind of in the background there's so many different perspectives you could take that track mm -hmm. and it you know to where it would almost work in a way yeah and it's funny it's like to me it's one of those things um it's there's a lot on the vanity six record that I really like in the the new wave explorations of those yeah. things. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, this one drive me wild. That's that's actually my favorite. Yeah, drive me wild. Like yeah. to me, I love drive me wild, and <laughs> and makeup is in that same vein to me of mm. these really kind of quirky new wave explorations, um, and really just really cool sonically. Like unlike a lot of stuff that you you heard. Um, you're hearing around the time from new wave or R&B, mm -hmm. um, just really unique, and um, and the drum programming is really cool. Actually, I was th when I was listening to uh, Makeup recently, I was thinking, oh, it's kind of similar to um, to Black Sweat. There's some similarities in terms of the programming because he oh, he loved yeah. to do these kind of hi hat little, little sprinkly hi hat things. And, yeah, <laughs> and it's um, you know, it's deft, really deft programming and really effective. And the um, and that bass groove just keeps going, and it's solid. And the vocal approach is so uh, <laughs> unique. You know, it's like spoken word almost. Yeah. You know, um, and it just yeah to me very evocative of of the time and, and of again, <laughs> and I don't mean the time of the groove, the, the early eighties, mm -hmm. and um, and brought back a lot of fond memories of discovering that stuff and never, never even thinking I would ever hear a version with Prince singing. Right. It, and again, it's one of those creative things we take for granted. And like I said, I've, I've been in that position to where like, okay, where, okay, I'm writing this song and it's for someone else to sing, but you know, it's like, where do you, you know, where do you go? You know, <laughs> You know, where yeah. does the creative muse take you? It's like, okay, well, I'm writing for someone else. So this isn't one of my songs, but am I writing it as if I can still sing it? Or if I'm writing it for, you know, someone else to sing and it's their mm -hmm. personality or their image or. Yeah. The things you have to you know. consider about that. And again, like that's what the, one of the most exciting things about the, this album is to hear that those kind of um considerations you hear them in the way he approached the mm -hmm. the these demos like you know this is for this artist and it sounds like this right you know even though he's himself as he's singing but he's clearly um laying it down so someone else can do it mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's interesting because outside of all of that you really get to see his create or hear his creative process mm -hmm. yeah i think that's what's um, I think so is one of the reasons why uh, Big Prince fans like me and you, I think that's why we are enjoying this record. Like it's, you hear that process and we don't, you know, we don't always get to witness it like that from that right. early stage, you know, and that's why it's a, it's a very special thing. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is pretty good. Actually, I mean, I probably would have preferred the original version to, 
drive me wild because like i said I, that song or if a girl answers don't hang up that <laughs> yeah. track <laughs> yeah the, i wouldn't yeah drive me wild i would have liked to hear as well yeah but yeah this was i mean this was a pretty good choice to put it on this project and like i said because you get to you know all of the songs on it because there's such a diverse you know pick of songs that you kind of marvel at the genius a little bit more, you know, or you kind of, again, not take that genius for granted. Like, oh, Prince is great, but like, dang, okay, he did, he actually did this song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, you know, here's his Vanity Six record, but no, actually, yeah, this is him writing the song for that record. <laughs> so cool. This is, um, you know, we still got a few more songs to go through here. So let's see. Let's move on to 100 Miles Per Hour that was originally oh, released yeah, yeah. by Maserati. Um, this was one I've heard in circulation quite a bit, uh, but it was always that sort of dead, lo-fi, bootleg right. style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you kind of walk away from it like, oh, okay, yeah, that's Prince doing 100 Miles Per Hour. Okay, that's cool. But when you listen to the, you know, finished, mixed, mastered version mm -hmm. of this, um, where you were talking about earlier, the subtle nuances and, you know, more of a wider range of sound. For me, along with section, this one was the other one that kind of where when I listen to it, I'm just kind of like, you hear all the extra guitar lines. And, you know, for me, I kind of hear a little you know, maybe, you know, Michael Hampton <laughs> mm -hmm. in the, you know, kind of in the playing on this one. And I just, you know, I just love the sound of it. And yeah, this is one track where, yeah, I enjoyed the Maserati version, but I like this one just as much. Yeah, I have to agree with you. It is a really, it's really cool to hear this version of Prince doing it. And I actually, same with, same as you, I had heard it. I had heard this one. Somebody, a friend of mine, uh, from New Jersey, he had, he had this one. It's funny, you always have these friends that are also Prince fans, yeah. <laughs> which we were talking about earlier. Um, and he had given me a, a, a CD or something with um, Prince's version. And yeah, like you said, it's like, it's not a good quality version <laughs> at all, but at least you hear Prince singing it. Um, it's great to hear it uh, fully, you know, remastered and like the way it should be. And it also reminded me too that Again, with the conceptual, the conceptualizing that Prince did, because um, to me, that song, like from the beginning of that song, it what it reminds me of is the final countdown, which was a hit <laughs> slight like months earlier, you know. So I was wondering if like Prince was like, we can do that yeah. and we can make it funky, because <laughs> like, yep. that's sort of what it reminded me of. Is, he was like, okay, yeah, that can be done, and it can be done funky. Um, so that was the Maserati as a vehicle for it. But the groove is really cool. Yeah. It's just, um, it's it's really funky. It just reminds you, um, like I, I remember liking the song a lot when it came out, and it just for me, really cool to hear all the parts and and to hear a Prince version. Uh, and it's funny. I I just had the vision of that album cover. You know, that oh, Maserati, yeah. <laughs> Maserati album cover. Whenever I play that, the originals album, and that song comes up, I just think of that cover. 
Um, that's for me, one of uh, one of the funnest ones, one of the most fun songs on that record. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's what I picture right there. <laughs> yeah. And all that I, hair. <laughs> out of back yeah, all that hair. Yeah. yeah. Now, you know, speaking of Maserati, and I wish I still had all of my old write-on magazines and <laughs> Me like beat magazines. But I remember, I think it was like maybe, I don't know. I want to say it was the latter half of 84. And there was a photo of Maserati. And they all had like these black jackets okay with the uh the kind of the brooch you know we yeah we, yeah we were still in that i've got a picture you know where i got you know kind of the miami vice jacket with the yeah. brooch, you know <laughs> kind of thinking i'm jesse johnson or somebody but you know. yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but it was like i remember that picture but the thing was it was before i think prince signed them or maybe well what we know now prince had already signed them but i guess that early publicity picture you know, it was nothing like the image, you know, that was on Instagram. Oh, because, okay. you know, for me, I was always looking for that sort of, you know, kind of replacement for the time, you know, because it was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Like, oh, man, you know, we're not going to get any more time records. Yeah. Um, what's, what's it going to be? Right. Yeah. The deal that dropped their first album. But it was like, nah. <laughs> I mean, I liked the first album, but yeah. it was like replacing the t- nah this won't be the band <laughs> <laughs> i saw them live around that time um was it body talk yeah yeah i, yeah, the, I remember i bought the single to that because i did yeah. i like that groove yeah it was cool it's funny it's like back then you didn't know what babyface had in them at that time right it just it was possible to tell yeah you know, I, I guess with two occasions you could but it's well, I think, I, yeah, because I bought I bought the forty five, but it was the the line where they were kind of dissing the time. Oh, oh yeah, you know, it's called uh-huh. body talk. It's not like the walk because this time we're wearing blue jeans. I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right, right. <laughs> um, have, but they, um, I was gonna say, but they brought me back with uh, the ballad, um, just my luck, and I was like, okay, yeah, y'all, yeah. y'all cool, okay, y'all cool, y'all can stay. <laughs> yeah, they were good. They I can't stay. remember. Um, <laughs> That that show I saw it was in Oakland. Um, it was a deal, the whispers, Jesse Johnson. Oh wow. And Tina and Maze. And it was um a really great show. Really, really great show. And if uh, did we talk about this before? Uh, uh, I think like one Maze? of the pre show. Yeah, because um uh, yeah, well the listeners didn't hear it, but Okay, um, yeah, because yeah, I never I'd never warmed up to Frankie Beverly and Mays uh, until it was the 1982 Budweiser Superfest. It was yeah. at uh, Bush Stadium and Stevie was the headliner. And I, <laughs> I was th- I was telling my wife about this one because it was this kind of weird time where somehow my mother would end up, you know, knowing somebody that would have like this extra ticket to something but it was never seated with the people <laughs> it was just always this one extra straight ticket and so yeah i'm like riding in a car with strangers to a concert not sitting with them during the whole thing but um this particular one i think i had better seats than they had i think he I was said like that, yeah. on the floor t- 20th row 
And I sat next to this couple, and this is the first time I heard about people doing this. They were following Stevie around mm -hmm. <laughs> on the tour. And, you know, so they would, you know, tell me about how they're following him all over the country. And, you yeah, know, the, the show went doing. Yeah, the show went on like, you know, as scheduled. And then, you know, here comes Frankie Beverly and Mays. And based on that live performance, that's how I got into into Mays was just watching yeah. that performance. I and, believe that. Yeah. And then Stevie ended up not coming on until 2 a.m. Oh, wow. Now he's legendary but, for that. Yeah. But he proceeded to rock until 5.30 a.m. Wow. <laughs> the sun's coming <laughs> up and he's still there. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, actually, I've... for me, it was the same thing. It was a Budweiser Supervest in Oakland. Okay. And um, and and this is it, to me, it was a really big uh, learning experience. Um, I mean, being from the Bay Area, of course, I, I knew about Maze, and um, now I know a bunch of the people that were associated with them, and, mm -hmm. um, and the you know, great musicians and uh, their songs were played on Bay Area radio all the time. Um, and so, but the thing was, is being someone who was young and into like you know what was happening at the time and, and being into Minneapolis music. I actually went to that show for Jesse Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> like that's why I went to that show. So, cause I wanted to see Jesse Johnson uh, do his thing. And I was like, and I assumed he was headlining. I just assumed, you know, we didn't, again, you're a kid. You don't know what the hell you're doing. You somehow <laughs> get a ticket and you, yeah. and who knows how it got there, you know? Yeah. I was, so I have no, you know, did I take part? Did someone drive? I have no idea how, how, how I got there. Um, did, did my dad take us up there? So like, I have no idea how I Dude, got that's there. That's what I'm saying. It's like, and yeah, it's like, like how, those are the types of things when you're young, like now it's like, it'd be ridiculous for you not to know right. how you got somewhere. But, um, but I when you're kids, like I got these tickets and I can't, I gotta go, I gotta get to open it. Um, so <laughs> we go there. I'm like, sure, yes, yeah, like Jesse Johnson, he's gonna be headlining. We have some time. Mm. The deal came on. I was like, okay, I like body talk. I get into it. Um, and uh, whispers were great. I've always been a big yeah. Solar fan. We got to do another one of these with just Solar um, and uh, Constellation, yep. all that stuff. <laughs> I love Leon Silvers. And um, and then you know. Uh, Jesse comes on, I'm like, cool. He was he was very cool. I loved uh, watching him. I had a chance to meet Bobby Vandell years later. And oh, told cool. him I guess I saw the cool. show. And, um, and then uh, Tina. And mm. I remember Tina kind of set the tone for the audience. Was People were silent, like re ready for her to come out. Mm. That, that, it was almost like she was the headliner. And then she, and she did her set. She killed it. And then people were going bonkers and Mace came out and just slayed it for like two <laughs> hours straight. And I was like, holy crap, like, that's right. It's not the necessarily the people on MTV and on whatever yeah. that are that are packing these houses and pleasing people and selling records. Like it's these artists who are super powerful live and have loyal following. Yeah, you know, it's like the, it's all about the following. And everybody in open coliseum was entranced by maze that night and i yeah. was like i learned a bunch of, about the music industry that night just going oh yeah my assumptions as this young guy who just you know i'm into this music that's 
appealing to me as a young guy because mm. he, he was in a he was in a movie <laughs> that I liked, <laughs> and, and he's associated with an artist that I love and stuff. And he's great, you know. And, and it's not it's definitely not a knock on Jesse. It was very cool. I, I love his solo stuff, but to me, I learned a lot. Like okay, this group made so i just thought okay it's a local group they, mm-hmm. they're they're also famous but i didn't realize the impact they had on an audience mm-hmm. and they just again they just slated from beginning <laughs> to end sounded great and i was like okay i get i get it i, I see mm-hmm. why maze has so many fans and why they headlined that show with really big people you know it's people who were um, like Tina Marie, who's already very successful, very famous. Whispers, big. Big, yeah. Um, Jesse was just coming off of you know, big success of Purple Rain. And, and, and the first album out, up. yeah. Yeah, so it's like, okay, that's what that's what the, it's really like. You have to be able to rock, pack a house, house. and also, you know, just yeah it, to me it was like ah it's yeah. like how, how many light bulbs went up like, ah this is actually like, how it now is i get it yeah yeah this is actually how it is like you got to do like that like it doesn't matter if you if you you know you know you might be you might know you might be associated with somebody else's like the hot thing at the moment mm-hmm. but if you if you got a loyal following and you pack big houses like houses. that yes that's that is an impressive feat yeah, and so, um, so that that was um, eye opening show for me. Um, <clears throat> very very cool. And oh, earlier I was I was trying to I was just googling to make sure I had it right. That um, just to super quickly go back. You know, Foo Fighters did a version of Drive Me Wild. Oh, <laughs> and it's uh, you know because it's like I got it. Dave Grohl's a Prince head, and mm. it's uh, and I can't remember where they did it or. It's not studio. I think it's oh, live. Is that it? okay. Uh, but it's it's around. You can you can check it out. I think they did it more than once. Yep. <laughs> oh, it's on the color and the shape album, nineteen ninety seven. They actually released it. Let's see. I didn't know it was really. I thought it was just like a live thing. <laughs> yeah, Cullen Shape 1997. Huh. I don't see it as a track listed. That's weird. Was that one of those, I guess, where <laughs> they did it originally and Prince made them take it off? Oh, maybe. <laughs> I, um, I don't know. I, there is a there is a version you can hear on YouTube, though. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the video link there. Yeah. We're, we're, we're trying not to get sued by the, the YouTube police. So <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but go check it out. I'm going to check it out later. All right, so we're going to get back into the Originals album. And the next track is number seven, You're My Love, which was later released by Kenny Rogers mm-hmm. in 1986. And I've never, you know what? No, I did. I did. After this, I did go seek out the 
Kenny Rogers version yeah. of it. Um, but, you know, listening to this, uh, and this was originally recorded in 19, 1982. The, the vocal goes all the way back to 1982? For, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, recorded at the, the legendary Kiowa Trail home in Chanhansen, Minnesota. So this um, probably wouldn't have been out of place on the 1999 Super Deluxe. Mm -hmm. Like if they do a, you know, uh, like if Sony decides to do a complete uh, 1999 Sessions box set, then this will probably end up being on it. Um, but, you know, listening to it, uh, you know, I've heard other criticisms about it uh, on other on other podcasts, um, you know, kind of how it's, you know, you kind of picture Prince, you know, kind of in Dean Martin mode or something, <laughs> you oh. know, singing, <laughs> you know, I, I it's, not, see it's it. not a croony song, but it's it's to me, it's like um, it's pretty middle of the road, like almost like soft rock. Pop, you know, like yeah, yeah, not not really seventies kind of soft rock, but which I actually like quite a bit of that stuff. Yeah, but um, it's clearly made for like, you know, a, it's very um, <laughs> the rhythms are very. It's just very yeah, a, a adult oriented radio. You know, like AOR. It's just very made to sort of yeah, kind of cocktail music. You yeah. Know? Um, and I and I like Kenny Rogers. I like how he sings. I think mm -hmm. he had a lot of cool songs. I really yeah. like that. Um, Don't take your love to town. I like that. Yeah. I like the, of course I like the Gambler. Um, I, I like the stuff with Dolly and um, and yeah. I like the stuff that Lionel Richie wrote for him. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting that 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 I thought the, I like the idea of Prince even writing for Kenny is. is interesting or, or giving a song to Kenny mm -hmm. and it, to me the really interesting thing is the vocal on this one it's just yeah. it's fascinating to me like the, the it's in a, his yeah his lower register yeah it's in a lower register it's um it's and it, it's still he does a lot of acrobatics with it mm -hmm. um and it's really there's parts of it that are really kind of vulnerable and mm. emotional and it's really interesting to hear so this was a surprise to me i didn't know the song at all um i went and listened to kenny's version later uh, but i didn't know yeah. so i knew that it existed but i never yeah heard it. same yeah it was like i always read about it you know people's list of songs given to other artists and stuff but yeah never really took the time to go seek it out uh, until this was released and it's like oh you know what let me finally listen to yeah kenny's version and and see um like i said it's not you know considering all the kind of heavy hitters that lead up to this and of course you know any compilation you're going to have that period where things kind of the energy kind of slows down a little bit yeah um i mean it doesn't completely take me out of the listening experience but that to me it is kind of i don't want to say one of the weaker songs and I think it's just because of the quality of the recording that they had access to. 
Right. Yeah, it's definitely demo level. It's yeah. definitely like, hey, just put this song down, and and you know, it was is not is not a finished track as a Prince song. Right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> it yeah, technically. Be... Oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, it made me wonder, um, and, and actually something I always wondered while he was alive. I will. I still wonder if there are any waltz time country ballads in the vault like because to me it's like if you wrote for kenny i would i wouldn't have mind hearing him write a country song and you know because that this song is sort of sort of sort of cocktail pop Mm -hmm. you know and i I would love to hear if he an attempt at a a country song waltz country song Mm -hmm. um with a lot of uh, either humor or emotional stuff um heartbreak stuff um I, I have a feeling there's probably a few songs like that it's, in the vault. it's gotta be yeah <laughs> there's gotta be and i would love to hear those so yeah. i was hoping for something like that so the sound of this one was a little jarring to me <laughs> yeah but um i was like okay okay probably because that's where kenny was at, at the time it was you know mid 80s or whatever right where he kind of went away from the more country material yeah. kind of more into the yeah adult contemporary middle of the road stuff yeah yeah, but yeah, I wouldn't mind hearing um, like if they have a uh, access to the original multi-track version, you know, see what somebody would do with that, mixing it or remixing it, right, or taking it, doing something else with it. All right, so let's see, we've got number eight, which is Holly Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Now, is, Hollywood, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say this one, um, because I hadn't seen Crush Groove yet. Yeah, I've time. seen Crush Groove two hundred ten times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like had not seen it yet though. But um, who our listeners know as Alex B was one that uh, I guess he had the soundtrack. Or he had a, I don't know, maybe twelve and six. It was something, but somehow he had the recording. He had it. Yeah, and then he played that for me, and it was because he was like, "Yeah, look, it's, it's Shilly, and she's rapping." Like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Word, <laughs> let's hear yeah, this." Well, what machinations went into place to have her being in Crush Groove? Um, I love Crush Groove. I wasn't kidding. I've, I've yeah, seen that movie maybe that is more a than classic. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I may have seen it more than Brooklyn Rain, actually. Um, I've oh. seen it a lot. <laughs> and I love LL Cool J's version of performance in that. He's young. He's so ferocious. Yeah. It's, just, um, it's it's exciting. And to hear um, and to hear this version, uh, actually, I found it really exciting because the pro. It's nice to hear the drum programming just out there on its own, and it, it starts off with just that. Oh. You know, it was just with that beat happening. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it sounded really cool to me. Um, in the film, um, it's a little different because it's like I could see what they were doing. They're they're somehow, um, and again, I don't know the machinations that got Sheila into the film because she isn't a hip hop artist, but she's there, and it kind of makes sense. And she's rapping because it's Crush Group, so they had to have her doing some rapping. Um, and so I guess they figured, let's do a thing that has a bit of Minneapolis and a bit of hip hop. 
and it is very interesting to hear Prince's version. Yeah. The, um, again, it was the drums that took me. It's like, yeah, like there's so much cool programming that Prince did. Uh, just, so much cool drum programming. Uh, I mean, just the, the level of musicianship, period. Mm -hmm. Of this. course, all over. It, you know, and again, it's, you know, I, I didn't realize that he, well, I don't know, it's credited to both Prince and Shilly. The writing? Right, on the originals. But I guess uh, when it was released, the credit was Shilly E by herself. Right, yeah. That makes sense. Because he did that a lot. You know, just you take the credit. I'll yeah. do it all. You take the credit. <laughs> um, um, but I mean, I'm sure, I mean, the lyrics, I'm sure, are hers, right? And whenever there's real percussion on the track, I'm assuming that's her. That's her, right. I, yeah. I never saw Prince play Timbales. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's credited for the percussion and background vocals on this one. So I guess, you know, his guide vocal was sort of, okay, well, this is the attitude you need to have for this track. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that was probably the reasoning behind it. But this being more of a finished product than the previous track, like I said, you just get to hear so much amazing musicianship mm -hmm. on this one. Um, it, it's hard to sit still listening to this. And then you got Eddie M on the sax on this yeah. one. It's so evocative of, of that era, you know? Right, you know, because, yeah, we, because, you know, he was, he was the guy, you know, it's like, I think Eric was kind of there, you know, maybe the family was slowly starting to, that project mm. was getting put together, and then kind of after that, then it became more Eric leads, and then kind of, actually, Eddie ended up kind of moving over to where uh, Jesse was like uh, every shade of love. Oh right, yeah, and he's he's here now in the barrier. Oh cool. That there's um, yeah. some people he he goes around and plays. Um, at least and that that was true at least of a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. Is he just uh, just performing live? Has he got any records out or anything? I haven't heard about any records, but I saw that he had been doing some playing around the Bay Area. Um, within the last, I'm gonna say, you know, pre-pandemic. Cool, cool. Yes, yeah. I like to like to hear folks still out there doing something. You know. Yeah, it's always nice. Yeah. You know, instead of you know, oh, he was with Prince, and then now they're, you know, not making it or whatever. But yeah, but Holly Rock for sure. That is definitely. Like I said, I can't sit still for that one. I think out of really, you know, as much as I enjoy all the tracks on it, I think that's the one. It's just the the, the production, the musicianship of it. Um, you know, like I said, it's a Prince guide vocal, but, you know, it's not him just kind of, okay, this is what you do. This is him trying to put that energy into that performance Yeah. at the same saying, time. Hey, this is for this movie. You got to do it like this. Right. And, you know, and, you know, she, I think she likes rapping because she does it quite a bit. Quite a bit. You know? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I was going to say, have you ever seen the clip uh, when she was with uh, the All Star Band? 
with Ringo? No. No, there's a there's a clip. Um, I guess they're either at sound check or rehearsal. And it's uh it's Ringo. It's on Ringo is on the drums. Yeah. <laughs> and he keeps calling her rapper E. <laughs> <laughs> and then she gets on the mic. On the mic, yeah. And I can't remember. It's just she... them two, or is the whole band yeah. playing? Yeah, just them. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'll check that out. I've not seen that. I mean, I knew she did that. She she's done those tours with him, but I didn't yeah. know. I have not seen that clip. <laughs> she's a rapper E. <laughs> I'll check that. But yeah, check that out for sure. All right. So now we're going to number nine, which was a track that I've always loved, the lyrics, the performance. And this is number nine, Baby, You're a Trip, originally on the Jill oh. Jones album. And, you know, back in the day, 21-year-old me is disappointed because... She didn't write this one. <laughs> <laughs> we always thought like, I mean, we always knew Prince had something to do with everything, all whether it was the yeah. time and all that. Um, but like you said, you know, when you look at those liner notes and you see the credits, you know, back then we kind of took it for, you know, face value. Like, oh, OK, well, Prince obviously did the music, um, but the person wrote the song, you know, whether it's, oh, we thought St. Paul wrote high fashion or right yeah yeah we thought was like man these somehow he trains them in this approach yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah that's how naive you are as a kid, you know? <laughs> well like i said even you know you know having you know dipped our toes in the the musical business landscape or the musical music business waters you know it's like oh wow she wrote that oh those lyrics are so deep you know, and then, you know, you're in your own head like, ah, oh, yeah, <laughs> I wish somebody would write that for me. <laughs> and then you yeah, find it out, turns out it's actually Prince wrote it. Oh, it's Prince again. Oh. Yeah, it's Prince again. Yeah, Him again. Me, this for me is, um, might be um, number one for me on that, this album, mm. this, this, this track, it might be. Okay. Um, possibly definitely top three it was great to hear I, I really liked the jill jones record oh yeah that's um... it was thumping it was thumping it was fun and funky and unique yeah and she had a cool look and so and the and the aesthetic of the uh cover and stuff were really cool like, mm. I, I thought that was a cool release from Pace oh yeah Park. yeah i you and, know oh go ahead no it was it was just really cool so and i'd for and honestly since I don't have that CD, I had forgotten about a lot of the songs that I liked on that record. Um, and so to hear that and hear the organ come in, hear that kind of, again, with the drum program, really cool, very simple drum program, mm -hmm. really effective. Um, and then to hear him sing it, it's really fantastic. It's just, I've listened to that one many times over and over, just mm. going, oh yeah, I remember really loving this song. And I think I like this demo version better than the album that's not a commentary on Jill at all that's just me going I think I like this version I, I like mm -hmm. demos I like hearing demos a lot because you hear so much of the songwriter's intent Ten. yeah and for that that one is a real powerful one for me I really really dig it and mm -hmm. again uh, there's another one from the uh Jill Jones record that that song for love to me uh, for me 
Prince's inspiration to me is Little Lies, the Fleetwood Mac song. To me, there's a lot of similarities there. Who and uh, you know, rest in peace, Christine McVeigh. Yeah, yeah. Um, Christine McVeigh, I mean, it was, it was really great, and I get the feeling Prince was a big Fleetwood Mac fan, and. Um, I know about the Thanks. stand back stuff and all that, but I always wanted, and I, you know, I, I liked his, the kind of songs he chose to cover. I always, always, always wanted to hear him cover Go Your Own Way. I just mm. I really thought he would just take that to like incredible heights, all that antagonism and all that sort of, all that emotional baggage in that song. Um, I thought he would really, and take the guitar stuff. I thought he would do an ama amazing version of yeah. it. Yeah, um, I'm sorry. Maybe hope maybe that exists somewhere. <laughs> Hopefully, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, definitely one of the top three in, on the record for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I'd say yeah, definitely a top top three as well. Um, I was listening to this before we even decided to make it a topic. So like the week before, you know, just pulled this out and started listening. And this track, again, I can imagine this being on, again, 1999. Mm -hmm. like, and yeah. I also, you know, imagine it being a single that could have been released right. for that. You know, and we know, you know, Prince kind of decides, you know, not to do the obvious thing when it came to singles. But yeah. like I said, I can just imagine how this would have come across on radio, the reception mm -hmm. behind it. Um, it would have both worked well with other ballads that were out at the time and at the same time set itself apart enough to where I think, you know, it would have been a, a very competitive ballad. Had yeah, been, I agree. Had he done it as a single. It would have been really interesting if it came out as a Prince song. Mm. Yeah. And again, like I said, if they decide to do a um a complete session set, this would definitely make a 1999 box set for sure. Yeah. So, you know, state if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> you know, these are ideas. They're free. Just give us a copy of the, <laughs> Just give us the a copy idea. of it when you when you're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so, so let's see. Now we're coming to track 10. Yes. The Glamorous Life. Ah, yeah. And this, yeah, this was one that I heard um, uh, probably within, uh, I want to say maybe before Prince's passing or maybe just after slightly. Yeah, I heard his vocals on it. I'm like, wow, okay, you know, and it, it's, it's cool. Like, this is this is the glamorous life, but it's Prince singing it. <laughs> and again, it was, you know, the quality of the bootleg wasn't uh, the greatest. But now that you get to hear it, you know, is you know the best production quality possible. And I'm like, okay, this is cool. And again, another one of those that, yeah, if he kept it to himself, this right. you know, this would have worked. Could have easily worked, like. This one for me, um, also top three uh, on the album, um, for me it was like to be reminded of what an amazing composition it is. It's a really yeah. cool composition and arrangement mm -hmm. with be the programming, the different, the kind of synth string lines and the, um, and the vocals. And then, you know, it's missing 
in this version, it's missing the timbales, uh, Sheila's percussion. Yes. Um, which add a lot and are really cool. Um, but it's interesting to hear it in this somewhat stripped form, mm -hmm. um, like pre she like it, clearly he's making room for her. He's like, there's a, there's this room for that to, he knows it's, that's gonna be there, you know? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and, but to me is it was marvelous to hear that song and hear like the little, um, there's one part in it that's still, that I still don't know what instrument it is because it sounds like a kalimba. It's just, it's like four or five notes and it's at the end of one of the verses. Um, and it's, I can't remember, it's after one of the lines and it just, it sounds like a kalimba to me. Like, a, but I was like, that's like a super small, mm. uh, a super small space of time to just play a little bit of kalimba. And so <laughs> I was, I was wondering, what is that? Um, if you uh, get a chance, listen to it again. It's on that version. It's on the final version as well. Okay. And I can't remember which, after which lyric it, it, it is, but it's, it's there. And maybe it doesn't sound like a kalimba to anybody else. It was just me. I mean, it could but, have been a uh, yeah, keyboard patch of a kalimba. Could have been. Yeah. yeah, but it's like the only time it's used in the whole song. <laughs> but but for me, that's um, it, again, it's top three for the album. It's a, a revelation to hear this version. Yeah, for me. I hadn't I had not heard it. Yeah, I know. I was happy to have a clean version of this. This one, because uh, like I said, the what I had, you know, poor quality, you know, yeah, struggling the, to hear all the nuances and everything. But no, this this worked well. Um, so I'm glad to have a finished version of that. So hopefully probably the next gem to have is like a clean version of uh, Screams of Passion. But that'll be mm, yeah. another that'll be another day for that. Yeah. Let's see here. We'll that's gotta we'll, come out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Estate again, if you're listening. <laughs> we all want that. Yeah. We'll be sending our cards and letters to <laughs> to the Prince Estate. <laughs> all right so we got one two three four five more to go on this uh this one was another surprise for me to hear and that is gigolos get lonely too oh yeah originally by the time <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's really cool for me to hear this i you know i love the i love that second time album quite a bit yeah and i like the different drum sounds um mm -hmm quite a bit like the just it's the simple boom yeah and then the groove comes in and i'm assuming that's more is playing the yeah tra the trap set and it's uh you know and it's got such an attitude it's clearly made to be a time song um yeah. or it works as a time song um yeah i also was surprised to hear that and it um well, it was fun. It was fun to hear yeah. that. Yeah. It was just, um, you know, what doesn't, uh, didn't hit me as hard as some of the others, but it was enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I said, it was a surprise to hear it. And this is one of those, again, you know, it's probably the, the guide vocal, um, but, you know, give it up to the actual Finnish version. You know, it was, you know, it's been elevated to greatness by you know the production decisions arrangement uh morris's approach to the vocal on it and i don't know you know if it was i don't know i kind of get the sense of yeah it's 
Prince kind of saying, okay, this is the energy you give, but I can also see them collaborating on how to approach, you know, maybe a certain line, like, okay, well, mm-hmm. more saying, oh, well, I wouldn't say it like that. I would say it like this, or maybe, you know, your vocal range would work, but my vocal range wouldn't work. So let me try to sing it this way. So I can, you can kind of almost hear those type of conversations when you listen to this version and then the finished version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought, oh, you know, they're so close and they were always working together. I'm sure it was just like these constant conversations of all, all here's here's the idea. And mm-hmm. then when you do it, you do your thing and you know, work it out from there. Um, but, you know, it's um, it's funny because, you know, it, it's very associated with the time. Yeah. <laughs> so to suddenly hear Prince sing it is um, is interesting. It is. There we go. And now let's see. Any final thoughts on let's see, Gigolos Get Lonely 2. Uh no, I think we um I think we covered it. Very cool to hear. Um it, and yeah, it definitely makes you think about their relationship, like how yeah. they how those two would work together. Yeah, cool. And let's see, and then the next one, let's see, love that will be done. We kind of covered that earlier. Yeah, just yeah. for me saying, it definitely was one of those ones that made me think mm-hmm. I would love to have heard that as a Prince song, the Prince release. Yeah, yeah. And, and this, uh, yeah, and I think this one was personally handpicked by Jay Z as you know, for inclusion on this project. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Really, it says that in the in the liner notes. No, that was all the you know the hype leading up to the release. Oh, okay. For it, because I think what was uh, was it? Title had the exclusive. Oh yeah, on that's the streaming right. it, like they yeah. had it first, and then, you know, then uh, the rest of the world got it later. It's like, yeah, haha, yeah, I want to include that love that will be done on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's so f- that's interesting. I didn't know that. I hadn't heard that story. So he somehow that's like a. Um, that's very interesting. Yeah, I I, I agree. <laughs> it should, I'm glad it's there. Um, yeah. It's an un, it's like one of those ones where you go, oh yeah, like he you know he that was an artist he worked with. It was a cool song. Um, I like it better than Martika's Kitchen, um, and I really liked hearing him sing it mm-hmm. and hearing the arrangement like that. Yeah, that did a kind of again like a alternate universe of come in the gold experience mm-hmm. where you know in an alternate reality he had no beef with Warner Brothers but he still wanted to put these albums out at the same time and oh, actually yeah. I can't remember if I did I include this one on the come version or the gold experience version but I included this track as part of that imaginary uh, playlist. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yes, it's a nice sound. It's a cool synth-oriented pop kind of sound, mm-hmm. but gos- very gospely vocals. Yeah, yeah. It's, you, know. you know, I could see that being a having been a major hit. Yeah, and if he put it out. Yeah, looking at the liner notes, 
and it says this single was um, number 10 on the U.S. charts. Is that right? It went that far. Yeah, let's see. I let's didn't see. know that. Okay. Uh, let's see. August of 91. Yeah, I was kind of, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had the single. Yeah. I remember that. I remember seeing the video. And I don't think I, I don't saw the video. The video. I, I came in like in the middle of it. And I can't remember if it was like I knew that this was the song that Prince wrote <laughs> for her or not then. But yeah, like you said, the whole little gospel thing towards like the end of the song. It's like, yeah. yeah, I remember liking it, but I don't think it got as much video play by the time I yeah. started. So that was the one and that only time sense, yeah. I've seen seen and heard that song until, you know, streaming came along later. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I had the single, so I was, I, I remember liking cool. it, but um, it's a very cool song. Cool. Right, and then now we're at number thirteen, which is "Dear Michelangelo." Ah, uh, uh, yeah. this was uh, <laughs> kind of one of my personal favorites from uh, the Romance sixteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Which is record. a nice record. Yeah, it's unique. This um. Again, the you know a lot of the musical decisions, you know, instrument choices, you know, the sense, the sounds, you know, the sounds that they used on it, mm-hmm. um, it you know really kind of paints that picture of you know the image of what the album was trying to mm-hmm. convey yeah. that whole Renaissance very conceptual, period. yeah, 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 very strong concept and musically, I think I think it's occurred to me hearing these versions. Um, with Glamorous Life and Holly Rock and and this one, that Prince really wanted to, um, and probably resulted from conversations with Sheila and her own and, and her input as well, um, wanted to honor like where she came from, like, you know, her mm-hmm. family and, and that and the jazz thing. And, um, you know, I think he was trying to, in, to have that be part of what, the aesthetic they built for her persona, yeah. you know, and it and it worked. It was cool because mm-hmm. there'd be these kind of very contemporary pop and funk beats, and then there'd be this percussion over it, um, and it made for a cool sound, you know. And definitely yeah. live, it was great to see her do that, you know, see her bring that and have her kibales and stuff, and, and mm-hmm. play and sing and rap and do all that. And um, to me, it's really clear, like they. They developed this approach together for what this sound's going to be, and it was again yeah. really interesting to hear Prince sing songs that Sheila would eventually sing. Yeah, it's a it's a kick. It's like one um, I, I would like to hear was "Cuckoo." Oh yeah, <laughs> which is you know I, has shades of Sound of the Times and um, down. Um, I would like to hear that too. You know, there's other there's other Sheila songs that if if Prince wrote them, and again, it's always up in the air. <laughs> like, you know, did he or did he did not? He? Um, uh, if he had, if he wrote Cuckoo, or if he had a big strong hand of Cuckoo, I'd like to hear the version yeah. where he does vocal. Yeah, which is you know a good thing about having uh, Wayne's books out now mm. because you can really get 
you know, the history behind a lot of those tracks um, and the way those books are written, you know, a lot of times you, you're right there in the studio with them. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, you can almost get that experience when you read it, but yeah, I'm like you, I'm interested in hearing that demo when that, yeah. which would, um, I guess again, you know, complete, complete sign of the time sessions you know if they get around to doing that like they did like a lot of the miles davis stuff right everything yeah where you put all the tracks on it so yeah i would like to hear that one too for sure um and then the next one uh wouldn't you love to love me now this one uh i think the only version they have is was taken from the cassette okay sounds like it (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> it's it's the bootleg quality for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would like to hear like the because I like this version. I think there's been some other versions that have been in circulation, but I think this was like the earliest. Um, it says recorded uh, June of 1981, and this was done <laughs> at Hollywood Sound Recorder. So obviously, oh. the master tape exists somewhere. Yeah, somebody, somebody has the real to real. Yeah. Um, so was this who was this written for? Uh, this was a uh, Taja Seville. Actually, before that, it was originally written. Um, well, not written for, but uh, Prince submitted this to Michael Jackson. Really? OK. Yeah. Because, uh, like yeah, the, the famous story of, you know, them approaching him about recording bad and yeah, doing the video. That story and Prince was like. Uh-uh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll tell you what, look, I got this song right here. You can record that. <laughs> no, I did not know he offered this to, to Michael. Um, then I forgot about the Tasha. The Tasha is funny. I had a friend who was not into music at all, mm. but she really liked the Tasha Seville album for some reason. I think, <laughs> was this a single? Was this a single? Because It was the second. Yeah, I think second okay. single. Yeah. And it's so funny. It's one of those, you know how sometimes things just pass you for whatever reason. Like you didn't, for some reason, as into this stuff as I was, for some reason, the Taja Seville stuff just passed me by. Like I never heard it. I didn't buy it. I wasn't hating on it. I just didn't, it didn't get to me. Yeah, so. same, same. I tell you, but uh, yeah, our, our good friend, Alex B, he had, or he had or still has, he bought the album. Okay, and then you heard it through him? I heard it through him. And like you, it was just kind of like, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like something. It was so funny, though. It's like I had a friend who wouldn't, you know, she did not. I don't think she would even know who Sheila is. But for some reason, <laughs> she heard the the Taj uh, song on the radio or something. She was, she bought the cassette. And I remember seeing it in her dorm room. Uh, she was. I was like, what is that? And she's like, oh, I, I like I like this. I like this lady. I was like, really? I go, that's, and I, you know, I was like, that's so interesting. And I, I thought that's, that's interesting that that's impacting people like, or not like hardcore Prince fans, but you know, that's on the radio mm-hmm. somewhere and it's, she's getting an audience. And I remember wondering, I wonder if that means this will be one of the successful or uh, Pacey Park records. Cause I hadn't, I didn't know anybody else who wasn't super into music that was like, Hey, I'm in a madhouse, you know, <laughs> he's just, those are like people who knew what Madhouse was. was and, right. But it was interesting to me to have just a friend who um, was not a big music head, but like that, like the way you would just like some song on the radio because yeah. you liked it. Um, so that was that was interesting to me. <clears throat> I actually love 
this demo version. I, do I love too. it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really it reminds me a lot of like what I love about Prince's music, especially in those days. Is like it's just like a really like joyful quality to it, mm-hmm. and it's it's also a little snarly. Like I like the, the kind of rock snarl it has to it. Um, like the and I actually like that sort of bootleg quality. It makes it feel like you're like you're listening to it on a cassettes from that your friends just made this song. Right. Um, so I, I really like it. It's, it's something I've listened to over and over again from that album, actually, because I didn't know the song because again, because of my Taja blindness, <laughs> I, I didn't know the song. Yeah. I think it's, the, um, <clears throat> I think it's the only Prince song that's on it. Oh, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, cause it was the one that was love is contagious. That was the first single. Okay. Yeah, that. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I I can know, picture the cover. Yeah, I think yeah, Alex kind of liked the songs on it, and it was just like you said, like you it was just kind of like I don't know. It just I don't know. Maybe I had too much going on that week, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, I never really got into it to get my own copy of it, or but now you know. I, have to find it somewhere now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to go here. I'm going to go look that up when we're done. I'm going to uh we go to bed tonight. I'm going to check out um the Taj's version cuz I don't think I don't know if I ever heard it. And again, it's one of those um those, I remember, those yeah, blind spots from the catalog. It's different from this version. Like I said this uh the original's version is a lot heavier uh to where her version uh, I guess, you know, obviously, you know, written or, you know, it's in her key, yeah. vocal wise. Um, I kind of remember it just being a little bit fluffier than this version. Like you said, okay. I love the the heaviness of this version. Yeah, it's it sounds good. It's uh, It's got a lot of great energy in it. Just really a lot of uh, really positive and like it's like I said, joyful as this kind of joyful kind of sound. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and again, the bootleg thing doesn't bother me at all. It sounds, it's, it's cool. <laughs> it adds yeah. character to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. And now we get to the last track, uh, which was released long before the concept of originals came about. And that's the, original version of nothing compares to you mm-hmm. uh which by the time it ended up on the family album uh, a lot of the instruments had been faded out in the mix and you kind of get this more acapella you know eric on the saxophone um you know later claire fisher with the with the string arrangements yeah on it but this is the original recorded version with prince's vocal that's on it and this one um is is my wife's favorite version of this song you know she's not really big into prince but um you know i've played her the family version um even the (laughs) the tribute video that the family did um after prince passed um there's the version with him and rosie Gaines. And then, of course, there's the Sinead O'Connor version, but 
this this one <laughs> is her all-time favorite version. I, I think I agree with your wife. I also like uh, Chris Stapleton's version a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah I forgot about that. Yeah, very too. cool. Yeah. Um, but in terms of recorded versions, and I, I do like Sinead's. I think this is I think this is cool. I also like the one with Rosie Gaines on the hits. Mm -hmm. um, but this is a really, really great version. Um, yeah. And it made me wonder, like, did he um, make the family version so starkly different as a way to just separate it, you know? Because I did not like the family's version. Um, it was strange. I love Screams of Passion. I love the Yes and Susanna's Pajamas. Um, but I didn't like this song on the record. I couldn't get to it. I, I couldn't access it. Um, I liked the way the sax broke in yeah. for the solo. I really liked that. That was about the only thing I liked was the, that that sax just sort of bursting its way through the strings in the acapella. I thought that was great. Yep. Um, but I couldn't hear, like, um, I couldn't hear it, I guess, until um, Sinead's version. Then I kind of got it. And I was like, oh, I missed out on a great Prince song um, <laughs> by not paying enough attention to the family. And I went mm. back and I learned to like the family's version as well. But... Um, but I'd never go and just listen to it. I, I listened to this one. Mm. And I listened to the Rose Gaines one on the hits. Um, now, I, I don't, I think of this one kind of as definitive now. Yeah, I do too. Um, as the definitive version. I think my history of it, it's kind of similar, but yet different to yours. I remember first getting the family album. And like I said, I loved everything, you know, especially side one on it, High Fashion Mutiny, Screens of Passion. Yes. And then, you know, kind of flipping it over. I would say originally it was kind of, it, it really challenged your, you know, your musical taste. Um, Cause it was River Run Dry, which, okay. I thought that was cool. And mm -hmm. then, like I say, it goes right into that version of Nothing Compares to You. And to me, it kind of felt, um, I don't know, it reminded me of almost like, you know, kind of like Presbyterian mm. church, you know, where you get that sort of just the vocal, you know, you don't get a lot of instruments. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's just the vocal part of it. So it does, yeah, kind of have that sort of, vibe to it which i didn't take to right away i think eventually it kind of grew on me um but with the sinead o'connor version it just elevated my love for the family version more because i couldn't get the feel of sinead o'connor's mm, version that one all. didn't that one didn't move you at all no um so it elevated my um love for yeah. the family version and then with the Prince and Rosie Gaines version, then it was like, okay, well, this is the version. That's yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but then this, you know, to me now, this is it. Yeah, I think it is. It's the definitive version now to me. And um sounds really great and it feels right. And like if this had come out as a Prince song, uh, would have been one of my favorites, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I, I could see this, again, this was like July of 84, so if there was a world where Purple Rain didn't exist, yeah, I could see this being a huge, you know, 
you know, top five, maybe number one. Number one hit. Um, yeah, but yeah, hit. getting back to the but back to the family, the um the tribute video that they did. Um I forget the name of the school, but like St. Paul is like um he's one of the professors. I don't know if he still is, but um they actually they bought the old flight time studio. Oh yeah, you know yeah. uh Matt Fink told me about that. And yeah. it, it goes back further in Minneapolis music history. I guess it was like a, it's been a place for music for a while, that particular space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and so yeah, flight time had it and then now it's like a production and music school. School, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, I haven't been there, but heard about it. Yeah, I I've only seen just in you know, whenever they would spotlight it. Uh, in this particular case, um he did use a lot of the students to participate in this. Uh so when they did the tribute, um they redid Nothing Compares to You. Um to me that version is better than the original family mm. version. So think, we both had more... a problem with the family version. Um yeah, which is weird to say, because like I said, it took, you know, where it eventually kind of where I grew to listen to it, you know, and not skip it like I used yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but if you listen to the tribute version, I, I think it's 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 more emotional than. Mm. I got to check that recording. out. I don't know if I saw that. I got to go check that out. Uh, it's on, It um, should be on YouTube and it might be, I guess, what it's is it? Uh, St. Paul's. Oh, F Deluxe. Or either okay. St. Paul or F Deluxe. It's on one of the okay. their YouTube sites. I'll check. I'll check it because I, I don't think I've seen that. Um, and it's funny. It's like, you know how uh, fans of any artist, when some obscure song comes out, you go, "I know, I know that." You know, it's like. And so when I found out that Sinead had done it, I was like, it, I didn't have that feeling because I didn't, you know, I didn't <laughs> like the song very much. I was like, "That's weird. Pull that song out." Uh-huh. but I, but it did it did catch me and um and again it's one of those things where you're like oh yeah i didn't i could have um heard a little more in that and then when you hear these other versions the rosy version and then this which is um, really great you kind of hear the greatness of the song yeah and for for sure like i i think this one is like the one prince fans probably would have wanted you know, it's like it. It sounds great. It's got all. It's got all the. Um, it's got all the depth you want from those lyrics in. Yeah. In that performance, and it's not a duet. Um, although I find myself doing the ad libs from the live version when I hear this version. <laughs> <laughs> all my dames reminding me of you too, girl. Yeah. <clears throat> I add that you add to this version. Yeah. <laughs> so if anybody out there wants to do a mashup version, you know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh that's a solid one. One of my favorites on there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I you know, some good choices. Um, you know, hopefully they'll do a originals too. It could do one to ten, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be I, nice to do another one like that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, um, I kind of lean more towards the, you know, the box set, super deluxe editions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I'm used to seeing, you know, Miles Davis or Bob Dylan, you know, they kind of really go out of their way to make those sets as complete as possible. Yeah, that's Springsteen. Yeah, yeah, him as well. And it's like a thing of, you know, this is a good idea for a compilation. I love it, and I hope they do more of it. But then I wouldn't be upset if you started to hear these original versions in, in you know, in yeah. the context of the actual albums yeah. that were recorded. Yeah, I'm, it's a tree. I also really like these, the deluxe versions. I really, really love the 1999 Super Deluxe. <clears throat> yeah. And just because of that album is so special to me and the, uh, and the hear and all those songs, <laughs> it's just really, <laughs> it's really great to hear. Um, and the 1990 and the Sign of the Times one too. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in that sense, um, like you were saying earlier, like the, this album's kind of good direction. And then they went fully on into it with two classic double albums that everybody loves that yeah. Prince heads love. And then general public also loved, and they were critically acclaimed. Um, mm. Good ones to, to dive into, um, <clears throat> you know, but I'm, I'm hoping that they do stuff for the heads, like, you know, Madhouse complete. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and all that sort of stuff that we all kind of wanted or um, the, you know, the 24 hour soul psychedelicide, you know, like, oh, um, <laughs> so psychedelicide. <laughs> uh, that is, that's another one. Can't sit still listening to that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, nah, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that version exists now. And the, uh, I wouldn't mind hearing the one with George Clinton. Mm, yeah. Too. All that stuff, that, any stuff that they did together, I would like to hear. Yeah. Any and all. Yeah. I, I got a feeling that that stuff, you know, is, you know, they're holding back on us. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. There's yeah, a bunch. There's there got to be a bunch of stuff. Yeah, because there, there was the track with that was on... Um, Hey man, smell my finger, which was more house. Yeah. It was like, well, wait a minute. It's this Prince George Clinton. Wait, are we doing a house track? <laughs> that, was, that was the year. <laughs> and then there's that one on um, How Late Do You Have to Be Before You Are yeah. Absent. I forget the song. Paradigm. Paradigm. Yeah. 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 Brother, can you paradigm? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's cool. That's yep. just Prince on guitar, right? Right. Yeah. That's cool. Yes, there's Soul Psychedelic. I'm sure there's some other stuff in there too. Um, There's got to be. There's got to be. I know there's, uh, what was that, the the 12 inch single, The Tweaking? Oh, yeah. I'm not tweaking. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Somebody was ragging on those records, dogging those Paisley Park and GC records. I was like, there's actually some cool stuff on there. I like the the capital ones I love. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think if people should dismiss those um those G those Pacey Park ones. There's some cool tracks on there. Yeah, no, uh, hey man, smell my finger. That one I think gets more respect. Yeah, I think think it does. 
it you know because it's closer to you know a parliament funkadelic a p-funk record right. it is it's a lot more conceptually and the way they approach it like a like a p-funk record yeah cinderella theory and um what's the second one called that was it hey man smell my finger that that's was hey man okay yeah okay um, is there a third one I don't know. I think there was supposed to be a third one, but then okay. Paisley Park got shut down. Warner Brothers like nope. Stop. Yeah, stop no putting more the money. Vanity imprints. <laughs> nope. um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I I didn't hate either of them. I th- I liked um Airbound a lot actually. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say that yeah. that one that's my favorite out of that. Um and what's the one? Why should I dog you out? That was the single. I bought <laughs> yeah. the single. Yeah, I should have dog you out. And that's funny. That's a great example of like George always kind of picking. He he would do this like almost like sampling all the time, or just throwing in other songs. Yeah, um, from lots of different traditions, you know, <laughs> from country, from old soul to Beatles to in this case, like almost like Tin Pan Alley. You know, how much is that doggy thing that he threw in there? Yeah. <laughs> um, Hank Williams with the Hey Good Looking. And um, I got this one very cool thing about George is musically voracious, you know. And I remember seeing a quote from him or interview with him. He said it in a number of interviews now, actually, mm-hmm. where he said, whenever somebody says that ain't music, that's when he goes running to listen to whatever it is. Because <laughs> whenever some grumpy person goes, that's not music. <laughs> that's when I go like I gotta go hear what that is. <laughs> that's where it's heading. Yeah, that's uh, true. You know, good. It keeps you from being too curmudgeonly. But, you know, it's a it keeps you on your toes. And you know, definitely that. What's the name of that new record? The the medical medical fraud dog. Medical Medicaid, uh, Medicaid fraud, fraud dog. dog. Yeah, yeah. It's it's cool. And it's all his like kids and grandkids producing and singing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of cool stuff on there. Very contemporary. Um, I saw him interviewed in person here in in, in the Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco mm. at, an, at an art gallery. Um, I was able to go as like a small crowd. And he just did this little interview in this gallery talking about the record. And he talked about, you know, his impending retirement. And he talked about um how it's hey, it's time for young people to come and do their thing and it's interesting because it's very p-funkian but it's very contemporary and there's a bunch of funky things on there <laughs> um there's there's one i can't remember this oh, i'm i'm gonna make you sick have you heard that oh yeah that's from the medicaid yeah <laughs> yeah that's a very cool track uh i'm gonna make you sick and then i'm gonna give you the antidote yep. as a <laughs> A commentary on both um, pharmaceutical industry and medical industry and just very interesting stuff oh yeah and there was a there's one from about two years ago uh name of the group is called octave pussy okay. <laughs> and, I, know that. Uh, I, I looked them up online and it's like yeah they're kind of you know they're keeping the funk alive and but this album uh it's called straight from number one bimini road uh this is an actual collab with uh george clinton and parliament funkadelic uh, okay yeah i no, think I you like that one too 
Okay, I'll check that out. <laughs> Never heard of them. Yeah, <laughs> I had to. Well, I saw it on, you know, it popped up on streaming one day, and I'm like, oh, well, who's never heard of this group? But they're working with George, <laughs> and that's a cool name. <laughs> and I listened to it, and I liked what I was hearing, so I just kind of I looked them up online, and it looks like they've had like a couple of albums okay. before this one. Oh, I forget where they're from. No, I don't think they're from. Oh man, are they from like up north? But yeah. I mean, it's good. Like I said, that classic P-Funk sound, but more up-to-date. That's it's so important to keep that going, you know, yeah. to show the growth. and Because it's really easy to just get locked in. Like, this is what I do, and this is how we sound, and that's it. Yeah. But that whole Medicaid Fried Dog has a lot of contemporary-sounding tracks, and including the hip-hop element, you know, um, the rap is very, the flows are very now. Now, today, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, the advantage of having the, like you said, the kids and the grandkids. Yeah. Now being a part of that. Yeah, and it's sounding like right now, instead of like, you know, trying to do it, but doing it like how you first heard it, you know, because um, we're the right age where we were around when rap started. Yeah. And when you first heard things on the radio, like, you know, Rapper's Delight and Curtis Blow and yeah. <laughs> Treacherous Three and Jekyll and Hyde and all them guys and Grandmaster Flash. Like, Flash. Mm -hmm. It's funny, I was trying to tell somebody about the uh, those Grandmaster Flash records with the kazoos. Like, there used to be a lot of kazoos on the early rap. And, they're like, yeah. Somebody was like, what do you mean there were kazoos on the first rap? I said, yes, there were definitely kazoos. I have they them. They were funky. <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, uh, happy birthdays. There's kazoos. Yep. And um, our birthday party is called. Um, there's not kazoos on freedom, but it, are no, there? No, that was straight horns. Straight horns. Well, yeah, that's just that's horns from that yeah. sample. And then same we played. Eighth wonder too. Yeah, um, that's I can forget the sample of that, but yeah, I loved Eighth Wonder. Um, and you know, because oh, we're, we're old enough to do that, but back then the rapping was not as it was, you know, it was just a different style. It was started out like that, but yeah. for us, that's like that sounds to us like that's rap, you know. Yep. <laughs> um, and the way the kids do it now, it's sometimes with the jarbled stuff or sometimes doing triplet stuff, yeah, or the mumbling or, or just short li short lines with long pauses. You know, it's like, um, okay, like, you know, again, that's like, that's their sound. That's how they're yeah. doing it. Um, and uh, did you see that interview with um, Ad-Rock and Sway? Mm-mm. Where um, Sway was asking Ad Rock, like, what do you think of these kids? And he's like, it doesn't matter what I think. <laughs> he's like, it is just does not matter what a 50 something guy thinks of hip hop. It just it doesn't matter. Beastie Boys doesn't matter. <laughs> like, I am an old dude, and this music is for the young people Thank to go you. and mess stuff up and do all, do what they need to do. To do. Yeah. And uh, Sway was like, but you're like a hip hop legend. Like, you don't, he's like, doesn't matter what I think. And I was like, a, that's a probably a healthy way to do it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I've had conversations where, you know, you look at 
rock and roll where it was in the 50s. You look at jazz where it mm -hmm. was. And, you know, people of an older generation then were like, oh, that's not that's not music. <laughs> yeah, that's not music. <laughs> yeah, everybody, there's always somebody, some, somebody uptight going, that's not music. <laughs> and it's an instructive lesson from George to, to go running yeah. towards that instead of running away from it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, give it a chance. You know. Yeah, give it a chance, see what you can um, appreciate about it. Yeah. All right, sure. Looks like that's going to wrap up this episode. Cool. And this was fun. Like I said, we're going to we're going to get into some other albums and genres, which will actually come up in a show called Amari Album Cut. Nice. OK, That'll be, we'll launch that in around, uh, after the new year. So around January or so of next year. We'll uh, that sounds good. Get that off. We got to have you on the show. I don't know. You want to talk about that cameo album? I think that was the <laughs> genesis. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Style. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I went yeah, back and listened to that. I, was, I said, how did I miss that one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes, again, we talked about that earlier. Some records, some songs, some artists sometimes just don't reach you for whatever it is. Like, it yeah, just dude. didn't. It's not like you hated them. Like, there's there's some that are just like that. Like, for me, one of them was um, The Who. Like, I Somebody was like, I remember getting to college and people next door to me in the dorms playing the who and like people jamming to it. And I was uh -huh. like, what is this? <laughs> I, just, I didn't know. I just didn't. It never reached me for whatever reason. Yes. Yeah, I, I got into them very, very late. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I hate those guys. It was just, I, didn't, I don't know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard it. <laughs> so, <laughs> You know, it's uh I've seen pictures. Like, I've seen I, the pictures, I, I, I know I, what the dudes look like and stuff. I you know, and what looking back now, I remember seeing them on television. But mm. like you said, it just didn't it didn't click, you know, until yeah. much, much, much later. Yeah, again, like I think I saw um the video for Eminence Front. And mm. that's I thought that's a funky and cool song. And that was about the only thing, but when you know there's there's this common musical language that a lot of people have, like, you know, and you could play a Beatles song or these days you might play a Prince or Madonna song and many, many people know what it is. But um, I remember people like blasting a Who song and everyone singing along and jamming. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> Check this out. <laughs> <clears throat> Just, you know, uh, wasn't my thing growing up and it wasn't, so I didn't go seek it out. So I, you know, I tried to one up them. Come <laughs> listen to this Dylan bootleg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, That's how that started. Let's see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. It's like, um, you know, just some artists yeah. just don't, um, just don't reach you. It's, it's funny. It's, yeah. Part has to do with regions, I think, like, and then it has Region, to do with promotion, just promotion, like what's in your house, you know, what your family likes to listen to, to like friends and yeah. Yeah. And what, what radio station is the most common one for us, for our age. Yeah. Um, you know, for that depend that that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to, we're going to fix that. So yeah. Mari album cut 
That'll be launching in January. So yeah, we'll lead off with the we'll lead off with the cameo record on that one, man. That sounds good. Good. And I could, uh, I could talk for days about the style album. <laughs> <laughs> but cool. So yeah, we'll do that. We'll we'll have it be. This was sort of like the backdoor pilot. Yeah, exactly. To, you know how they used to like in television world. There's a TV show, and there'll be that one episode where the you know you see little or nothing of the main characters they focus yeah. a whole episode on the secondary ones but yeah. this one's different this was different because there's nothing secondary about the albums we'll discuss <laughs> right yeah and there wasn't nothing secondary about originals so no but yeah, yeah similar was, but i know what you mean though yeah. it's like a little secret pilot yep <laughs> yeah so cool so we're gonna do that and then where can we find you you can find me at pcmunoz.com. That's P-C-M-U-N-O-Z.com. You can go straight to the music at pcmunoz.bandcamp.com. Cool. All right. I have those links in the show notes available. And Mr. PC Munoz, always a joy to have you on the show. Always great to see you and chat yeah. with you. And I hope you have a great holiday season. And I'll be back with you next year. Cool. <laughs> All right. And happy holidays to you and your family as well. Right on. All right. And everyone else out there, see you next episode. And until then, create your day and create your life. Peace. All right. Mm-hmm.